Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of Q&A Quest, right? Yeah, you yes. getting those numbers right without stumbling. Yeah. I am uh, your host, Wheels, a.k.a. Mike Apps, and uh, with me as always... I'm Fanboy Master, a.k.a. David McBurney. Yeah, I'm following your lead for once. <laughs> and we have a guest this week. You sure do. Yeah. This is Ken, also known as Coffle Silk. Yes, and also known as that guy you may see on some of the streams I post. Especially the one where I die a lot in Diablo 3. Not the one, that's pretty much all. Yeah, that's several streams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Even that's... as a casual observer, I've seen multiple instances where you're like, oh no, I fell asleep playing Hell Mode and have to start over. <laughs> that was only the first one, okay? <laughs> There shouldn't be a first one. Okay, listen. The first one, I fell asleep. All right, that's that. You know, that one's on me. Second one, I was under leveled. That one was also on me. <laughs> Third one, I just died to some tough enemies, and somebody else in the group also almost died. So, you know, that one happened. And the yeah, last one, the, the the main point there is almost <laughs> true. And the last Not one, uh, I don't want to talk about the last one. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm going to have to like request the audience send a question about the last one All right. so that you are forced to answer it due to the ancient spell that binds us to this podcast. So the last one, at this point, you know, uh, Ken and the other person we were playing with uh, would power level a character for me by you know using their higher level characters and going into a rift, and I would kind of hang by the entrance. Uh, so... Just I, siphoning it off like a lamprey. I was, mm -hmm. I was quite wisely, you know, mostly sticking near the entrance. But then I decided I'm going to wander off a little bit and try and get some loot. Uh, yep. I kind of want to slap you right now. And that is why the next Diablo three stream will not be hardcore mode. I'm. It's sad that it took you this many. Uh, <laughs> this much failure to finally give up on the concept. I am nothing if not stubborn. I've noticed. I've yelled at you for taking forever to do anything in games because you keep picking difficulties that are too hard. Yeah, I really, I, I don't understand why you wanted to jump right into hardcore in the first place. It's really it's not your not your best idea. Kind of like we were playing The Division and what, you were like level one and you're like, ooh, can we do the Dark Souls? <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, true. But that was mostly a joke, because I don't think you can even get in the Darkness Zone until you're level 10. I just hear that, and I assume this guy wants to shoot me in the back of the head. <laughs> no, no, no. Only if he finds awesome loot. Huh. <laughs> Not helping. There, There will be... Yeah, I probably shouldn't get this recorded for evidence in the future. <laughs> that would be premeditation. Fine, it's fine. Well, the thing about no the... one can prove that you weren't talking about that you were talking that you were talking about you know real life rather than the division. All right, I'm gonna, we'll we'll save some of the division talk because we actually have a question. Yeah, about there's division. actual talk yeah. for that. Uh, so, continuing from last week, we're gonna kind of discuss some of the Saturday morning RPG pitches that people threw out there. 
And this one, as it so happens, is from that other member of the Diablo 3 stream I was talking about. Uh, it's Arya. I think that's how you pronounce his username. I, can, I never remember. Anyway, his pitch, which uh, he gave me a short answer to and never expounded on, was... Uh, <laughs> Short answer would be a Voltron RPG in the vein of Xenogears where there's human combat and gear-style combat. Hmm. I feel like that kind of explains itself, so a long answer would just be trying to define how each of those two related to each other. That's true. Um, hmm. Obviously, I'm assuming this wouldn't be uh, thematically similar to Xenogears. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. I admit I've never actually watched Voltron, but like, you know, I'm pretty I sure mean, it's. You know, they they have the the different characters. They each have their own lion. So from that aspect, you could have the, you know, inside and outside of, you know, their vehicles, mm -hmm. and then they can do their uber power up and become Voltron. Yeah, I presume we're not bringing in the other anime that comprised Voltron because no one watched that part. <laughs> yeah, I just remember the uh, the original that they had uh, stateside. Well, they they did uh, like when they brought it stateside. It was comprised of two shows. It was Go Lion and yes. Die Rugger Fifteen. But uh, that's uh, no no one watched. No one remembers the Die Rugger Fifteen sections. So when people think of Ultron, it's Go Lion portions. I don't really remember any of Ultron. You remember a combining robot that looked pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's one of those things where, like, I think they've kept making like weird permutations of Voltron that only come out in America. Like, there's this horrifying CG 3D one I saw an episode or two of that was like a nightmare that had come to life and spat itself onto Netflix. I think I saw one episode of that and it was terrible. I think it was called, like, Voltron Force. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, the only thing that was that that was maybe on par with it was the uh, the Thundercats rehash that they did. Oh, the 2011 Thundercats? Um, wasn't it sooner than that? I remember there was the the Thundercats reboot. I remember it's the one from 2011. There might have okay. been. Yeah, it was on it was on Cartoon Network. And yeah, the, they they ran that. That was uh, <clears throat> it was supposed to have um, a second season, and they ended up canceling it. Yeah, wow. like it's it's severely underperformed. Was that bad? You know, it I remember bad. meeting people that were fans of it. <clears throat> it wasn't bad, but they completely changed everything. Oh, <laughs> um, you know, so it, it was like you know sometimes how you you'll watch like an, an anime. And it'll be all the same characters, but in completely different situations. Uh, yeah. Like, did, have have you seen Tenji Moyo? I've been peripherally aware of it. Ten, there's there's a couple different series, and you have the Tenji Moyo OVA, which was like the original Tenji Moyo, and he goes to space and stuff like that. But there's mm. also a Tenchi universe, which it's all the same characters and everything. But it's a little bit different. And then there's Tenchi in Tokyo, which has nothing to do with space or anything at all. 
Okay, then. <laughs> yes, but, but, it's, but it's all the same characters. You know, like, they keep trying to draw you in with the characters and then, mm-hmm. like, sort of ignoring the fact that that's not the only thing you came for. Yes. So what you're saying is it was Thundercats in space? That'd no, it was... Way louder than that is. <laughs> in, in the original Thundercats, they go into space to go to another planet. Uh. On the uh, remake, the reboot, they're actually on their own planet. So uh, they, hmm. they don't go anywhere. Their, their capital gets overthrown and they, they're trying to escape. Uh, but this, they this don't sounds actually... like cartoon that wants to be taken much more seriously than its goofy predecessor. Hmm. Probably. Trying to but, uh... get around the fact that in the, the earlier cartoon, Lionel ages like 30 years in the space voyage, but the two Twin cats. They don't age at all. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Just, just go with it. You know, space shenanigans. You know how space works. Space can take you anywhere. But yeah, now, going going back to the initial statement. Now, Voltron, Voltron uh, switching between, like, combined and non-combined form is a fairly interesting idea. I'd be down for that. I'd play that. It's just, you know, you have to give a lot of compelling reasons for why not to be in, like, super destroy-everything mode. <laughs> uh, That's always been, like, the same thing even in, like, you know, Power Rangers. Yeah. It's like, you why know, don't it's, you? <laughs> it's like, they only do it as, like, a last resort, you know? Yeah. Even though if they did their last resort beforehand, they might have saved a lot of wanton destruction. <laughs> Uh, I love I love the full version of the original Power Rangers theme because it's way longer than you think and has several verses, including things about how they know that they can only use their powers for self defense. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to look that up now. It's a good song. It's gonna be the, it's gonna be some interstitial music this episode. I can feel it in my bones. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I was gonna use Billy Joel for this episode. Any particular reason, or just because? Yeah, division. So I was thinking New York, uh, New York theme. Uh, you're in a New York state of mind, is what you're saying? Yeah. I've seen those lights go out on Broadway. Oh man. Yeah. It's a little so more. We got, uh, uh, it's a little darker. From the servers. <laughs> save that. Save that. Save that for the division. You can't question. see the lights go out on Broadway when you're busy <laughs> standing in line waiting for the server to disconnect. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Uh, so while we're kind of on the topic of Xeno Gears, oh, uh, we do have a Xeno-related question, which is from Budai. Which would you rather have? A remade Xeno Gears with graphics like the original artwork and restored second disc content, content and top-end translation, a super version of Xenoblade for the next Nintendo console with added content and graphical fidelity of Final Fantasy XV or better? Uh, what? Hmm. Or a remastered collection of all the Xenosaga games on one PS4 disc, where the characters' designs were redone to be consistent through all three games. Uh, I know what one of those I want, and I also know that it would somehow be more expensive than doing both of the other two. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The spec, the 
this the amount of money you'd pour into making Xenoblade built to that spec would be one of it would probably be easily the most expensive video game of all time. <laughs> Honestly, I would like the fourth option, uh, like a new game instead of any of those. Is, no, is like we're taking this option. Like let's let's take these take the spirit this question in the spirit it was intended. Okay. If you were given this cho- the choice of these three, okay. one to exist. But uh, I'm gonna be honest. I'm, I think that Xenogears is probably behooved by the fact that it was forced to shut up for a while, or at least like it was forced to speed through a bunch of content. Because if you're paying attention to the content it's speeding through, it just seems like, well, this is the game spelunking further and further into its own navel. Hmm. I'm not. I'm not huge on Xenogears, although I do like the art. So the art is a nice concept, but the art's nice. The Gameplay is nice for the most part. For bits oh, of totally. it, it has it, it has issues balancing on foot and uh, in gear because there's just not much connecting the two. Yeah, I mean, I would totally take a even if it was just a regular release and not a whole big remaster. Mm-hmm. I I can't see them ever doing a, a full on remaster of that. Yeah, they wouldn't. Yeah, just like yeah, just, like a slight update would be nice. I am mildly surprised that like Namco hasn't taken to re-releasing like uh, the Xenosaga games as just like PS2 classics. Cause I'm pretty sure they own them lock, mm. stock, and barrel. See, I don't even I don't even mind that. You know. I don't mind, but I'm surprised. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, well, they own it, and they love shoving Cosmos into things, so... There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff. It's kind of strange. Yeah. Um, but before, yeah, like... Before they do that, I need some dot, dot .hack collections, so... Oh, that's that. Like, no, I don't even need Dot Hack IMOQ collections. Like, as much as I love them, they're not very good. But Dot Hack GU collections. Yeah. Like, sold. The only Dot Hack I played was from a demo disc. Oh man, I forgot they even demoed any of those. They don't demo yeah. well. <clears throat> no. I still have my demo disc for that, and that's all I ever played. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you can't find them anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> Oh, definitely not. It's really bad. Like, I remember, like, eight years ago when I was collecting them, and it was already bad. It was already quarantine is $100. And, like, it's only gone up from there. Because, like, essentially the market they found was that the only people who were buying the fourth episode of Dot Hack were people who had bought all three of the previous mm-hmm. ones. And the only people who were buying them successively were a smaller and smaller group of people mm. who were so drawn in by the story that they were willing to overlook the fact that the game's gameplay was bad. <laughs> so, like, I managed to get a complete, like, really pristine copy of Quarantine one day. I will sell it to ensure that I do, am not, like... Like, it will keep me from being destitute for, like, a week. <laughs> I managed to find most of those uh, back when GameStop was like just clearing out PS2 games. Yeah, but uh, obviously not part four. Not I had I did dish out for that one because that by that point I was committed to just getting the stupid full set. 
<laughs> yeah, I got I, I got real lucky with GU because I got all three of all three GU games at once for like fifteen to twenty bucks each. Yeah. Well, when I was buying them, they were still relatively cheap. Like I think I got either part two or maybe even part three new on Amazon for relatively cheap. Yeah. But I'm sure that's getting out of hand at this point. Yeah, I'm sure eventually it will. But the other thing is that, like, GU has really, really strong art directions, just a really, really good game that I want more people to play. Yeah, that game still looks good. Uh, Pretty rare for a PS2 game. But I guess we haven't really answered the original question at all. (laughs) Yeah, like, going down the list, I'm I'm rejecting the first one out of hand because I don't actually like Zeno Gears very much. Uh, I played a lot of Xenogears. I think I played through it twice out of some, like, at least once on a bet, basically. And... I feel like... like huh? Uh, go ahead. No, you you finish that statement. No, I was going to say something about Xenoblade so you can... Yeah, yeah. So, like, Xenogears is a game that is trying but it's also held back by the people that are trying are basically like Masato Kato. <laughs> and I've, I've had a lot of unkind words to say about the stories that he wrote and continues to write. But like, because <laughs> like, he, every time I look and find out what he's been doing, it's like, oh man, that game had a really bad plot. Um, <laughs> I remember last time I looked it up, he did the, re- he wrote the plot of the rebooted Ninja Gaiden series third game and that's the one where the game is like that's the one where partway through the game you'll see an enemy you'll like have killed an entire group of enemy soldiers and then it'll spawn in one who will just stand there and beg for his life and you're not allowed to do anything but like stab through him and it's just the dumbest thing in the world and it takes forever wow that's terrible yeah, it's like Fantastic. This, this has no business being in the video game you've put it in, and I have no idea what you think you're going for. Uh, but like, yeah, like I, I feel like restoring content. Like I feel like a lot of people look at Xenogears and they sort of see it, and it's like, oh, well, the reason this doesn't make any sense is because it's missing things, and it's like, no, you put content back in, and you're just going to raise more questions than you answer. It's like. L- the more you play Chrono Cross, the more it's like, what is happening? Oh, I don't know. Just stuff. <laughs> well, that's what... Why is Sergei so important? Eh, Shala looked at him, and, like, he was sad, and then she, like, was like, oh, man, that's terrible. No, that's what, that's what game FAQ forum posts are for. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Dissertation-level thesis on what's actually happening. But, yeah, so, like... I feel like inevitably the second you actually made this ideal form of Xenogears you would still be forced to confront the fact that the concept of what you're creating is unideal to begin with. Yeah. And Xenosaga 1 through 3 basically the same kind of principle. There's a lot of there's not as much just cruft but like Xenosaga 1 through 3 have the issue of like they were made be, they're the very design that created them is built around the fact that like they were made by a team that that even to itself considered itself amateurs. Yeah, like that was actually like pr- you know, huh? I was just say that was a pretty interesting article I read. Uh, that it was it, it was in talk- Iwata asks about Xenoblade, I think. 
uh, I forget what it was, but yeah, something something about Xenoblade talking about how inexperienced the team was and how they grown. Yeah, and, like you know. the the Iwata asks for Xenoblade is this long thing where he's like, why why you know tell us about the other games you made? And he talks about how they made Xenogears and then split off and then like a lot of Monolith was basically people fresh out of college, and they were like, well, we can't we can make three D models. But, like, complexity of design essentially eluded them. So, like, more and more the game sort of had to be built around, like, script and cutscenes, which was what the development team was already experienced, like, capable of doing okay, with limited now, experience. Now I know why I do not want to play Xenogears again, because those <laughs> cutscenes. What was it? In, in the first one, you get to play for five minutes, and then there's a two hour cutscene? Yeah. Is, is that about right? Oh, uh, Xenosaga? Yeah. 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 It's actually there's a thirty minute cutscene. Then you play for five minutes. Then there's another two hours. <laughs> all right, all right. Like, like it's not even an exaggeration. Like you, you'll see like YouTube videos that are just all the cutscenes from Xenosaga strung together. And like the first one, it's like eighteen hours. <laughs> like it's so much non-interactive content. And like, if you aren't into what they're, if you aren't buying what they're selling, you you aren't gonna want to watch it. <laughs> If you played only that and then jumped into Xenosaga, you would never believe it was from... Xenoblade, yeah. Sorry, Xenoblade. You'd never believe it was from the same group. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where it's like the, the pendulum shifted so wildly. Yeah. It's kind of shocking. But, yeah, like... And, and that's, I think, part of what helped Xenoblade is that, like... You know, it's it's got a similar kind of story, but it's separated out so much that you can just sort of enjoy the actual game, and even if you aren't buying what the story's selling, you've still got game there. There is still more to that experience. Uh, still amazing. I went into that game with no expectations, expecting to be <laughs> bored by it. Whoops. Uh, yeah. As much as I would enjoy seeing like Xenoblade done up to such a ridiculous spec as is mentioned, it doesn't as, like, need it. Option. It doesn't really need it. It doesn't need it. I'd enjoy seeing it as a curiosity. Yeah. Like the closest, like Xenoblade X is kind of like already fulfills that curiosity because it is, in many ways, Xeno, uh, Xenoblade done up to a much higher spec, even if it has a different plot and environment. Like, so much of the spirit is the same that you kind of see how they, what Xenoblade would look like in the same uh, fashion. That game has some absurdly good monster it's animations. Gorgeous. Yeah. It's, it's just gorgeous from top to bottom. Yeah. But yeah. It's inter- one thing I do want to bring up is that, like, in a monkey's paw sense, part of the third option already happened. Because Xenosaga 1 and 2 got remade with a unified art style on the DS back in, like, 2007. Oh, I, keep, I keep forgetting that exists. I think that version actually also has some script changes, which Xenosaga 3 goes along with. <laughs> oh, but, that's, that's not confusing at all. Uh, don't worry, it was already confusing, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but... <laughs> but, yeah, like... So, in a monkey's paw sense, part of that already happened... Xenosaga was also, like... I feel like it's one of the first times where, like, you could see a Japanese publisher seeing popularity in the U.S. and not being sure how to handle it. Because, like, Xenosaga Episode 2 
is basically them reacting to the fact that Xenosaga sold way less than they wanted it to in Japan and way more than they expected it to in America. And Xenosaga Episode 2, like, oh, Americans don't like this anime art style, so we need to make it more realistic. We'll draw it you know, uh, everyone's model. Uh. And, well, we want to get this out quick because, like, they just, like, they just ate it up, so... Okay, we'll take a bunch of stuff that, like, half of it is basically junior backstory that we cut from Xenosaga 1. <sighs> it's, uh... No, 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 no. Well, it shot the series stone dead. And that's why Xenosaga 3 is much rarer than Xenosaga 1 or 2. <laughs> but, yeah. It's one of those things where I feel like two out of these three games are sort of better left in the past. Yeah. I mean, if if one of these options was Xeno Saga, the series totally remade, I think that one would be an interesting option, but... I don't... Again, I'm not sure how much you could remake it without losing the point. Like... Hmm. So much... It's such a product of the time and circumstances that made it in the first place. Like, it's such a product of the time when JRPGs were still on the tail end of a boom. It's such a, like, you know, I'd say the market's stabilized, but it's not in a boom period at the moment. Like, it's the sort of thing where you throw a ton of money at a new project because the genre is hot. Budai, these options suck. Wow, harsh. (laughs) 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 But, yeah, no, it's just one of those things where, like, Zeno series is it's almost weird because it's like a barometer of what's going like it's almost this perfect barometer specimen of what happens what is happening with the genre at the time it's true it's... like it fizzles out as they're on their downturn and then like it crops back up and reinvents itself when they start coming <laughs> back up <laughs> it's kind of fascinating that's why uh, I think that's about. I've I've ranted about that enough, and I apologize for putting you two to sleep. Oh, that's all right. Zeno is a hot topic, especially especially now since people seem to love or hate the new one. Which well, you know, it's me. like Xenoblade. Every time I tried playing it, I would start falling asleep. <laughs> it's got a really slow start, and I, I think I got up to you get out of that cave system and into that big open area and you're going to the next village that just got attacked or something like that. Mm. And that's where I stopped. I think that's where I may have stopped with the Wii version as well. It's a very taxing and time-consuming game. It's not for everyone. <clears throat> and the difficulty was frustrating. I don't, yeah. I don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you certainly can't fault anyone for not having the time for the game. I, I yeah. mean, I never would have. The gone. reason that like I recommend people play 3D is like even though the Wii version is better looking, it's like you don't have time for that. I don't even know who you are, but you don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I'm, I don't think I even would have played through the the uh, 3DS version if I hadn't had to review it. I probably would have just like stopped with it. Uh, wherever I stopped on the Wii version, but there's, there's points where it just feels like okay, yeah. I can stop now, and maybe I'll pick it up later, and then maybe yeah. becomes never. 
Then it got the hooks in me, and I had to get to the end of that. Yeah. It wasn't even because of the review by that point. Nope. It was because I want to see how this ends. And it was worth it. So, yeah. The health of the Xeno series is an interesting bellwether for how healthy the market is for just certain RPG types. Well, I'm interested interested in seeing what they do next. Uh, Definitely enjoying my time so far with Xenoblade X. They've implied that their next game is going to be a sharp break from X, just like uh, Xenoblade <laughs> was from previous Xeno games. So. But they were implying that before Xenoblade X even came out. Yeah. So. All right. <laughs> yes, let's move on. Alright, so our next question is also from Budai, and this is... Thank you for providing many questions, Budai. Yes, that too. It seems like The Division wasn't a fluke. Gamers are really enjoying the game. I know you talked about it a little, but compare it to Destiny, or decompare it, if that makes sense, too. Yeah. You know... Contrast, probably the (laughs) proper term. Yeah. Uh, Leading up to The Division's launch, all over the Destiny subreddit, People were talking about <laughs> how this was how the division was going to be, you know, killing Destiny and, you know, was doing stuff that Destiny wasn't, and like like it was a one to one comparison, and it's not, not even close. You know, it's it's like comparing Fallout One and Two to every other Fallout. Yeah, you know, thematically it's the same thing, but it's completely different. Yeah, it's there's room there's room in the, in the market to sustain multiple games of this vague genre description. Yeah, I feel like they don't even fill the same vague genre definition. They really don't. Yeah, I, I'm using it's... in this term like I'm using vague genre description to be multiplayer online shooter RPG. Okay. Uh, like I'm going real vague here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they really aren't even that close though. So obviously there's the similarity in that okay, they're shooter RPGs and you can group up and do missions with other people, but beyond that and also, you know, loot, you know, different guns that kind of use the same colors. Well, that's basically for... part and parcel of being a multiplayer RPG. Yeah, they use the same colors for rarity, although I think it seems like everything uses those same colors for rarity. They're probably similar to WoW, I've just never played WoW. <laughs> it's, I think it is the same as WoW, because I'm thinking it's the same as Hearthstone. There's but, no real reason to not use those colors just because a lot of your audience is already familiar with them and there's no way to arrange them in such a way that they would be significantly more logical. Yeah. But um, 
so Destiny is more strictly a first-person shooter, and kind of the yes. RPG stuff. Well, Destiny after is that. a first-person shooter. Yeah, the Divi- Div- Division is not. Right, and I wouldn't even say that the Division matches up with your average third-person shooter, for that matter. This is true. Because um, Destiny obviously has kind of the traditional first-person or generally even third-person shooter uh, uh, feature set. So you've got your PvP. Uh, with matchmaking and things like that, and you know the story content, which is obviously primarily multiplayer focused, and you've got your raids, which is not quite like uh, your average shooter, but s- still, uh, you go in, you go in playing, you go into playing Destiny, and even if you've never played an RPG, you generally have an idea of you know kind of what you're playing, and not so much with the division. Um, because I feel like the, the shooting is more akin to something like Mass Effect or maybe even like Alpha Protocol than it is to any even just like general third-person shooters. Uh, you know, we've got so all the guns have like stability stats and things like that, and it mm-hmm. g- generally feels like the the guns are a lot looser than. It's harder to compensate for like bad stats with good shooting. Yes, that that's, mm-hmm. yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah, in Destiny, your gun choice can really make a humongous difference, and at least so far at lower levels here, um, I mean, I'm just finding myself using, I think, a, an assault rifle, a sniper, and I don't even use my sidearm at all. Hmm. You know, but it doesn't really feel right now that, you know, if I go one sniper over another, that there's a huge difference. In Destiny, you know, you have a, a bunch of different archetypes and, you know, different exotic uh, snipers that <clears throat> perform and handle, you know, extremely differently. Um, in this, you know, aside from like an actual straight up weapon type change, um, it really just seems like the best way to go is to find the accuracy and rate of fire you want with the highest DPS and that's it so like you can sort of more expect that every gun of a type is going to behave more similarly that's what it seems so far it's kind of like if you're playing a traditional RPG and you know it would be your choice of a sword or a dagger or like a two handed great sword or something like that you know, but you would expect the, things within the class to behave similarly. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, so I'm not really seeing, like, because in Destiny, with um, even regular, like, auto rifles, you know, you'll have an auto rifle that has extremely high rate of fire but low damage per bullet. You'll have one that's a middle of the line, and then you'll have slow rate of fire with uh, much higher uh, damage per bullet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not seeing, you know, even just that on the, you know, the base. Yeah, the baseline so of uh, the division is less focused on that. So it's kind of just taking the the high, the one with the highest stats you can find and not yes. really focusing on anything else. I mean, that's, that's what I've been doing, yeah. Yeah. I know that some of the higher level items do have kind of perks slightly similar to Destiny, but... I think it's most of them will just have like one. They don't necessarily have more than that, and it's probably 
like way higher level items too. <coughs> and um, remember reading something about how like so weapons and armor and things like that will have different perks, but they won't be active unless you have unless your stats are a certain level. I did. I did. I I don't know if I have any of it of it on me. Um, but I did see some equipment. I at least saw. I don't know if it was in a shop or in my inventory. That re did require you having a particular uh, stat value, and the ones that I saw were dual stat. Um, but you need to have at least like however many it was in order to unlock that perk. Um, yeah. But I think like I have, and I had to stop playing because I was dying. Um, <laughs> but. Like, let's see, the the primary weapon that I'm currently using has a um a perk called Brutal, which is uh like ten percent increased headshot damage for that one. And that has a stat requirement of eighty five and something. So um, yeah, it looks like they have two perk slots. Yeah. But even with that, that's just like a straight, you know, damage buff. Yeah. It's it's not like in, you know, Destiny you'll have a, you know, an exotic perk that like completely makes that weapon unique. And I don't know if they exist um, in the division yet because I'm trying not to spoil that stuff for myself. But, yeah, uh, I, we'll see. a lot of that stuff wouldn't make as much sense, I guess, in the yeah. division. But you know, they might have some like crazy modded weapons at higher levels. Yeah. I'll have to see. But, you know, even in terms of you know, leaving inventory aside, um, you know, Destiny, you. And leaving first person, third person aside, you know, Destiny is very much a, you are putting yourself in the line of fire, you're going out there, you're killing stuff. You know, you don't, except for some boss fights, you know, you're not really taking cover. Um, you know, maybe if you're doing PvP, you're going to want to take cover so you don't get sniped. Um, but in the Division, if you're standing out in the open, you are going to die. It is very much a, a cover-based game. Uh, you know, there's a system in place to automatically move from cover to cover. Um, hmm. Yeah, you're not you're not wanting to go out and walk down the middle of a hallway like you could in Destiny. In Destiny, you can go down a hallway with your whatever gun and just you'll kill everything. Um, you can't do that here. Yeah, and I think they've so far at least they've done a really good job with a lot of the encounters. Like a lot of times, you know, you can't just kind of hide behind cover because there might be multiple ways enemies can be coming at you. So you kind of have to uh, move around a lot, uh, run away if they get too close. And that's kind of one of the interesting things about this game is you have like no close learning range attack options for the most part. Like, you have a close range of attack, but it is pretty much worthless. Um, 
So unlike a lot of games, uh, you really, really need to be careful. Otherwise you can and will die. So as far as another, uh, I think, comparison to Destiny is, uh, so Destiny doesn't really have any kind of overworld or anything like that. I mean, it's got some maps where you can kind of go and wander around if you really want to, but it's rarely required. There's not much in them. Yeah. Uh, whereas Destiny feels like a more cohesive game world. You mean Division? Division, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am terrible. <laughs> the division feels like a more uh, cohesive game world. Uh, so you've got New York, or at least a segment of New York to wander around, and uh, there are, although there are fast travel points, you still will have to uh, make your way to mission objectives, and there will be different events that can happen as you're doing so. So it really feels like a much more cohesive game world. Uh, than Destiny, where, you know, you'll kind of go on a mission and go into one of the worlds, but mostly be directed right to where you're supposed to go. And yeah, the, the Destiny maps, you know, they, they occupy a much smaller area. Yeah. Um, and the only sense of real, like, any, any real dynamic stuff happening are the infrequent public events. That last, what a couple minutes at best. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, I was trying to run to a an encounter in the division, and along the way, you know, my my radar starts pinging, and there's a couple bad guys, and then all of a sudden, there's a a yellow barred bad guy there with well, I thought he only had like two or three henchmen with him, and it turned out he had about ten. And, <laughs> Oh my god, I was running away and he kept following me. <laughs> and I killed him, but he followed for a a very very long time, much longer than than they would follow in Destiny. It was pretty crazy. It was actually disconcerting how <laughs> how pers I'm not used to them actually chasing you that far. Yeah. So I don't know if that's unique to uh, that class of of enemy, um, or if it's all them in general. I think that was the only one that followed me. I don't think any of the the regular tier ended up chasing me. I think it was just him. So, so I don't know. But in Destiny, that wouldn't happen. It's no. very much. It's very much. Uh, you wander around every set of mobs has its own territory and they don't stray very much outside of that no and each of the worlds I think is split up into different sections and really uh, I don't think anything would follow you between from one section to the other or anything like that mm -hmm. so. yeah most of them have that, that buffer zone in between the different areas so yeah. you can't nothing even like if you could drag them that far um, they really don't I mean I've seen in Destiny maybe 
yeah, maybe 10 character lengths, they'll walk away from their spawn point, and that's like it. <laughs> yeah, so the division is certainly very interesting, and you know, I'd like to talk more about the PvP darkness zone where. <laughs> but. I sometimes need, known as the lawless zone where you get shot in the head. In, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to need, in writing, notarized that you will not stab me in the back. <laughs> Alright, maybe we can arrange that. Um, I did see. I, I feel like where I, you're going to need like a notary public for this. Yes, I will. I, need, I want this a legal. A legal document. A legal binding um, document. How um, to become a... <laughs> yeah, I think it was... I forget where it was. Uh, but they were saying that there wasn't a whole lot of uh, people going rogue right now. And I don't know if that'll change. I think before during the uh, that last beta... I think they had said that 50% of the people in the dark zone ended up going rogue. <laughs> um, and I think that was probably because, you know, it was still beta and people were just like, hey, yeah. let me go. Like, there's no yeah. consequence to anything I'm doing. Yeah, I'm not, not going to get to keep any of this loot anyway. Exactly. Um, so I would think that you you would probably have people who are, you know, if, if you can go in and you know help people out or at least not kill them when they try to get out you know i think it'll make it a better environment overall but i think <laughs> we're probably still going to see a good amount of people that'll uh just try to kill you the entire time yeah um, it's even more dangerous to but i mean it i don't know how difficult it is to hide in there once you've gone rogue because, I mean, they pretty much literally put a target on you. Yeah. So you'd have to be pretty sure of yourself to turn the entire zone against you. <laughs> pretty much. So, I just tried looking up how to become a notary public, and for some reason it gave me all examples for Washington, a state I do not live in. <laughs> Yeah, don't really have much to say about the dark zone just yet. We'll have to see how that Look forward ends up. to follow up responses next week. <laughs> uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, more on the I, negative side, uh, they shut down the server when we were in the middle of a mission uh, with, with no warning. <laughs> you know, if, if they had put a warning on Twitter earlier, but yeah, that's true. There, there was nothing in game. Yeah. And there are no checkpoints in in the mission itself. And we and were, we were like near the end of that mission too. Earlier today, when I was playing, I had logged on and it had said server shut down in fifteen minutes, um, which I ended up logging out at like five seconds left, and then I like was able to log right back in. So I don't know why it was doing that. Um, but. Yeah, that blowed. Yes. <laughs> that was pretty terrible. Um, but that's going to just happen, especially with uh, 
a game like this, I think we're probably going to see this on a probably a weekly basis, right? Yeah, some kind of maintenance every week for sure. Uh, I do like the the base building. Yes, the base building is cool. Yeah, I, I've always felt that in Destiny, you know, maybe in Destiny Two, it's they can take all of these thousands of resources that I've collected, and all of the extra sparrows and jump ships that I've collected which apparently they're supposed to be really rare except I found you know like 20 spaceships at this point um, and make like some sort of outpost either a terrestrial or like some sort of orbital base or whatever for doing whatnots and things Something. that would be really fun yeah um, but we'll see I, I enjoy the base building and that's always been one of my hallmarks of what I feel a good RPG should have was base building. If this ends up having a casino, <laughs> that it would pretty much be that in a random dungeon, a good random, like pretty much I'm thinking Lufia 2, except Lufia 2 did not have base building. Lufia 2 has a casino? It does. A lot it of does. SNSR RPGs have them. It was really frustrating in what was it? Uh, Saga two. Is that the one? Frontier Saga? Is that it? Saga it Frontier two does. Like, does it have it? Like Saga Frontier tier. Saga Frontier two is weird because its structure is less weird than the ones around it. I couldn't get I couldn't get through that game at all, but it had it had a casino and it was like a hundred floor casino, and wow. there, were, there were no working casino games. That's Saga Frontier one. Okay, whatever, it doesn't matter. It sucked. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was just playing that today for some reason. Like a red scenario requires you to go to it, and the only thing you have to do there is like talk to these enemies that are all at slot machines. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, but, like, was, none of those things work. None of them do anything. I was, like, the first time I played it, I'm like, yeah, casino! And I'm like, why why can't I, I play on these casino games? Why why is it a slot machine working? Okay, maybe if I go to the next floor, the, the slot machines will work. So <laughs> none of them... What? There's so many floors, and it's copy-pasting so uh, many. I, was, I thought the game was broken. <laughs> you might not have been wrong, just not for the right reasons. Uh, it's a bit of a mess sometimes. I love it. I love every second of it, but it is a complete mess. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? So, so obviously there's no real uh, real life casino in New York City for them to model after, but hey. Could throw one, have like an underground casino. It Maybe. You don't want to re you don't want a replay of the PS One Golden Nugget game that's just like a bunch of casino games used to string you through a plot about saving a computer ch chip with the help of Adam West. <laughs> yeah, I I forget if Chinatown is in this game or not, but they could always have like some kind of underground Chinatown casino or something like that. You can bet guns. That'd be neat. Uh, but yeah, the division. Uh, certainly, 
did not expect an R- this much of an RPG out of the Tom Clancy label. You know what else I didn't expect? Falling through the friggin' ground. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, I have not forgotten about that. The AAA curse. Uh, this I don't. <laughs> no, it was just me, yeah. and it it was a few times in the same place and a couple times elsewhere, <laughs> and I just kept falling through, and I have no idea what was going on. And note that this was not too long after I was complimenting the quality of the server. <laughs> you were. <laughs> the yeah. server was here to prove you wrong. <laughs> Yep, I fell through the ground. Good times. And then I tried to... I closed the game and tried to log back on, and I was hoping it would refresh everything. I would just start at the base, and... No, I was actually still in your party, and it loaded me (laughs) under the map. Well, I guess we know there's no secret su- subways for us to wander into in the main map. Well, there there are apparently a lot of subway systems, and I did find one earlier that I had started going down, but it was just too big, so I just went back out. Uh, I know there's some in the dark zone as well. Yeah, I think uh, Ubisoft had said uh, that there's some good stuff down there, and I don't know if it's yeah. just more powerful mobs or what but uh, they did say that that was worth exploring I'll have to check that out Uh, um, any other thoughts on the division before we move on just trying to think of anything else I'm like level (laughs) 8 you know Um, I think it's it's really really early right now. It's looking like it'll be um, pretty good. I mean, story wise compared to Destiny, you know, they put all of that information right there. You know, they have tons of collectibles that would be uh, the analog of Destiny's, you know, ghosts um, that you can actually get the information from right in the game, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, I don't like having to pull up an app to read that information. Um, everything looks nice. Uh, this is probably no. This is definitely the first realistic shooter that I've played. Everything else has been um, it's pretty much Borderlands and Destiny and Fallout Three, Four, or not Four. I haven't played that yet. Uh, Fallout Three in New Vegas. Uh, that's you know it's been more sci-fi uh, oriented. Uh, so this is a, a change of for me, but it, it seems pretty good if you're not really great with first person shooters I, I think it's more forgiving with the way that uh, damage is dealt uh, with the guns, you don't have to be a uh, a sniper wizard to, to kill something bad guys do take an, an unrealistic number of sniper shots to the head to kill Yes, uh, but, but I guess that's to be <laughs> But yeah, I'm not bored yet. (laughs) Yeah, New York makes for a really nice setting, too. It's pretty cool. 
and I, I do like that they picked like a winter setting. Gives it gives a distinct yes. Yeah. Although it does make it feel like the game was probably originally intended to launch during the holiday season, maybe. I don't know. I think it was intended to launch holiday 2014, given how long I've been seeing previews for The Division. Yeah, sounds about right. But this has to be further out from... To how long after the... Uh... The initial outbreak? Yeah, do we know how long it is? I'm not sure. I wasn't really I mean, paying attention really to the dates. It really seems like it should be a little bit longer than just, you know, still being in the holiday yeah. season. So it's just got to be winter at some point, pretty much. Even even with smallpox, I mean, for it to spread that fast, I mean, you have to even weaponize, you'd have to have some sort of incubation period. Like, I think this is probably maybe late winter at the earliest, would be my guess. Yeah, that, that would make sense, actually, probably nearly March, so right around the time the game came out. <laughs> although, obviously... The joys of an ambiguous time frame. Although, obviously, it does not match the weather that we, we have this year. I, it, it makes me think, because we, when we were in Broadway, in that, that mall, it still had all the Christmas stuff up. Yeah. So things must have really gone bad, I would assume, before Christmas. Yeah. Or at least started to. What the... Maybe look around in-game, see if there's any kind of timeline. Well, there is that, um... That book the division uh have you seen that it's a some sort of interactive book thing that has like backstory leading up to it no you, you know what i'm talking about probably not um <laughs> i i ordered it from from amazon um it apparently has like removable artifacts whatever that's supposed to be um <laughs> I don't know, maybe there'll be some uh, good information in there. Um, Plan okay. the Division New York collapse. I know they, they had some kind of like uh, little TV series or something on Amazon as well. Uh, some yeah, short little series. Yeah. I haven't watched that yet either. It's a number one bestseller according to Amazon. Well, interesting. Well, I mean, the game did seem to have a really good launch, so... Let's see if I can find any uh, details on that. Let's see. It is... According to Ubisoft, it broke their sales records internally. Well, that wouldn't really oh. be surprising at all. Uh, the book is Tom Clancy's The Division New York Collapse. Hmm. I'll have to order a copy of that. Only I love how at this point we're looking <laughs> at a book labeled Tom Clancy's that could not have possibly been written by Tom Clancy. Like, not oh, even you just... Know, 
<laughs> I, I know that he didn't write most of them at this point, but like, not even like, wasn't even conceived of in a world where he was alive. Well, no, this was this was um, announced the year before his death, so he could have had at least some sort of tangential sign-off on it. Um, oh man! Uh, it was announced in E3 2013, so he, he was he, alive he died for like in six 14. months. So I mean, this probably has more Tom Clancy in it than a modern-day Thomas Kincaid painting would. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, anything going forward, if it says Tom Clancy's, it's just not. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like Ubisoft bought his name and he continues to use help. You're saying he had no input on Rainbow Six Siege? <laughs> Probably. He might have had input on Rainbow Six Patriots, but that never came out. <laughs> but that just reminds me of like there were Splinter Cell books that were labeled Tom Clancy Splinter Cell that were not written by Tom Clancy. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of movies, you know, they'll throw in like the original author of like a book, you know, yeah. and, it'll, and it'll be so and so's whatever. Um, yeah, that's like that. That's not that surprising to me. It's more like when they brought it back to paper to like they they made books of it and still labeled it Tom Clancy's despite it being written by someone. I mean, else. I guess it's supposed to be in. Yeah, as if like, you're writing from in, in his style and in his world, as opposed to taking his concepts and. Um, yeah. bastardizing them. <laughs> uh, it's not that there's no rational explanation, it's just something that when I look at it, I just have to sort yeah. of snicker a bit. <laughs> I'm sure Tom Clancy loved Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Lone Wolf. Exclusively for your PlayStation 1. Still want them to do my idea where they do a splinter cell where it turns out Sam Fisher is a descendant of the assassins. Oh, no, no stop that. Don't crossover, you. man, crossover. They'll hear you. Get out. That <laughs> reminds me that you, like, sent me Rainbow Six Vegas, too, and we still haven't played it together. I need to die now. Hey, that's got a casino. I'm going to... Oh, I want you to be dead right now. Let's move on. I All can't right. take more of it. Let's, let's move on. So, uh, what, what do we got next? Um, stupid reverse scrolling nonsense. All right. Uh, what are your thoughts on Fire Emblem Fates, especially the fan service parts? They just feel super weird and out of place to me. I can't even figure out the gameplay purpose to the hot springs. And that's from The Walking Dude. Uh, I feel like uh, Fates is Fire Emblem grappling with its new identity as being more than a game just for hardcore strategy RPG enthusiasts. Mm. And in some senses, that's going to produce weird things like the hot springs, which is just like what, but like also weird things like Phoenix mode, which is baffling, baffling to me. Phoenix mode is not hard to implement, and again, it's for people that like 
They see Fire Emblem and they find the characters appealing, but they don't like playing strategy RPGs or can't play them well. Yeah, that that's me. I played... <laughs> what was the, the last one? Awakening. Uh, Awakening. Awakening. I... Uh, you know, I think for the most part, you know, I, I can do strategy RPGs. Mm-hmm. I, I know how to do it. I know how to position my stuff. I can take advantage of you know, terrain elevation and unit type. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I had two main problems. One was that the battles take too long. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to sit there for a half an hour going through a battle. And two, the whole meta game of pairing off people correctly in order to optimize their offspring, I just, I get paralyzed. I just, if I mess up, I'm done. Yeah, I have a friend you know, that's like that. I feel like, he, like I, he's. I feel yeah. like I have to get it perfect, otherwise, what's yeah. the point? Yeah, I have a friend who's like he's bought fades, but he's just waiting until like the internet has scoured through it enough to decide a vague like list of these are ideal pairings, and just is <laughs> he'll play it with that next to him so that he can just do those ideally because like he knows that it doesn't even matter if he gets them right but he can't bring himself to not like like it's still like this i have to do this right it was like the same thing when i played because i've never finished final fantasy 8 well you're not not alone in that but the problem was is that i got to right before the last disc and i felt that i needed to have every ultimate weapon Uh. and and have every triple triad card. Oh! <laughs> and Good. that is I not wonder, easy. I, now I just have to know, how did you react to the fact that there were certain cards you had to lose to the Queen of Cards to get other cards? Yeah, I don't even... It, it was more troubling that the rules just got so jumbled. Yeah, the that... way that the... Uh... Yeah, so um, I don't know, maybe, maybe someday. But yeah, Fire Emblem. You yeah. know, I don't know. People made a huge, big hoopla over the uh, the censorship and stuff like that, and quote unquote, quote unquote censorship. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm I'm a I'm a grown ass man. Great. <laughs> I don't mind that stuff, but I don't need to be playing a game that if my wife looks over my shoulder, I get funny looks. <laughs> um, so you know, I have a hard enough time just with any anime that I watch, you know, without her asking me why I am stroking a character on, <laughs> on my DS. And that's why they moved it in the U.S. version. But I mean, from you know, if it if it's suggestive content that actually serves a purpose, or isn't more than them just saying, "Okay, we need some sort of gimmick to get people to want to buy the game that aren't already going to buy the game." Um, that's one thing. You know, it's the same in anime. You know, you'll have uh, some shows where the the perverted stuff 
you know, serves a purpose or it, there's some value added to the show based on it, whether it's comedy or, um, or whatnot, or it's something where it's just there to be there that doesn't really serve a purpose. And it's just, Hey, we need to get these people to watch our show instead of these other shows. Yeah. Like I, I feel like this, like to bring up the thing he specifically brings up the hot spring, like that one sticks out mostly because it's not even really effective titillation. It's just in there. And I don't feel like it's even meant to effectively be that so much as it's supposed to be like for people that are like playing it for the sake of the characters. It's like, oh, what do these characters do to relax? Oh, there's a hot spring. Isn't that but like Lunar had had hot springs. Yeah, Lunar used those one of them for comedy and one of them to force you to go through a bonus dungeon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, hot springs in any form of Japanese media is not uncommon whatsoever. It's in every single anime series, you will have a hot springs episode. There's hot springs, hot springs beach, always. So... No escape. You know... That, I, I don't really see it in... I don't know, maybe it's I'm used to seeing that a lot in games and anime. Um, that it doesn't feel as unusual as a stroking minigame. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't even a stroking minigame that made sense, because I actually played the Japanese version. It's time to poke this tiara. Yeah. It w- yeah. Doing anything for you? It was <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever played. Like sitting there stroking a character's brooch, and for some reason this is getting you through the minigame. And it's like. We're getting so many heart ups. What is this? Like, it's not like you succeed at the minigame and, oh, the characters lose their clothing, clothing or anything like that. It's, it's a wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. It's just bafflingly it's stupid. Like, it's it's find, find the part that makes them happy, but you have to, like, there's no logical hint or idea, and you just sort of, it's, it's where's Waldo, where Waldo is, and dress the same every time. There's no purpose. <laughs> It serves no purpose whatsoever. It's a, it's a strange thing. And, yeah. you know, that's probably why it was removed. But, uh, like, it, it's one of those things where I expect Fire Emblem is going to dabble in these sorts of, like, mild uh, additions to try to bring more life to the cast and what they're doing outside of battle. And some of them are going to succeed and some of them are going to yeah. gross failures. But <laughs> this, the point is, it's just like, this you know, was... if you, a gross on the failure. bright side, on on the bright side, more like more than likely, they're also trying to try to make avoid letting them invade the core tactical gameplay because they don't want to alienate that group any more than they want to fail to attract more of this new audience that is interested in the characters and not so much the tactics. Yeah, and you know, I guess I can understand people being annoyed because. Um... Okay, for some reason they want to play the worst minigame ever created by human hands. It helps that the that the minigame itself has not been spoiled by the experience of playing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but ultimately, this is Nintendo's product. They're a business. The quality of the product reflects back on them, and if they want to take it out, they can, because it's their freaking product. 
we're gonna be we're gonna be uh, having this discussion like once every episode for the next three months. <laughs> we've been we've been seeing a lot with and not just with this and whether Nintendo did it from a you know a content censorship standpoint where they just decided it was terrible. Um, that almost doesn't matter because we've seen a lot of you know companies that are either neutering their games or straight up not even considering releasing in the West because ratings and cultural reception of that stuff is generally speaking and outside of the the audience that the games would be targeted to is unacceptable. Yeah. You know, so Nintendo could have left it there and it would have been a negative and they take it out and it's a negative so it almost doesn't matter if it was what reason they took it out for um they were going to be screwed either way yeah they just had to like do a risk a cost benefit of like which yeah. audience is more like which which is a larger audience to risk alienating yeah and i think it's worth uh mentioning the actual one scene that they actually took out of the game um I don't really want to go into any specifics about it because uh, screw going into that, screw going in that into that discussion. But uh, basically, from what I've read, is uh, in English the scene would have been taken as pretty much highly offensive, whereas in the original. Oh, I think I know what you're yeah, talking about. And so I, I've read a bit about you know the original intent and how it would have been taken in Japanese, and you know I can see your. Uh, hardcore Japanese fan being angered that it was taken out, but you have to understand that your average person is not going to understand the nuance at something all. always to remember, the person you're translating from probably didn't write something intended to offend you. There was, in Final Fantasy XI, which had a an auto-translate function, and players would use it all the time to communicate with people of other languages and you would always have people who would you know be shouting for teleports and one of the translated phrases that they would use was reward so you'd say you know teleport whatever reward 1000 gil or whatever and it turned out that and this was after a long time uh, Square ended up putting in a, a second reward uh, auto-translate because the one that we were using was actually that reward phrase was from pets so you would reward your, your Beastmaster pet and in, a, in English, you know, there's really there's no difference, it's either you reward your yeah. pet for a job well done, you give them a a treat you know you reward somebody for helping you you give them a treat in japanese i guess it's actually derogatory because <laughs> like you wouldn't reward a pet the same way you would reward a person exactly so it's more of like you know here's your treat you filthy animal as opposed oh, isn't to isn't that know, precious like, what you just did exactly <laughs> um so i mean i can i can see that yeah. just all sorts of things that like you know some things there's no one-to-one translation. You just sort of the phrase "lost, lost in you, translation" comes to mind. 
Yes. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. Yeah. It's like again, someone making a mass market entertainment product probably didn't do something with the intent of insulting large portions of the audience. And I think we should just be happy that we're getting these games. Yeah. I'm so glad I don't have to worry about these games anymore. Yeah. I mean, you have to understand that things like this are going to happen, and um, you might you can cry artistic integrity and things like that till the cows come home. But at the end of the day, Nintendo is, in a, is a business, and they're going to do what's right for business, which is to avoid unneeded controversy. And really, you know, as much as I've read about the scene, it's largely not important to the overall game um, it could, it'd be nice if maybe they replaced it with something or rewrote it some way or something like that but uh, it's, that would probably be a waste of their time to be honest as a, as a broader concern it's just sort yeah. of like video games are inherently made by giant amounts of people so saying that like one change is like a breach of artistic integrity, whereas another is just fixing something, doesn't really work because it's like no one has the, no one can really make the argument of a pure auteur stamp in a game like this. Definitely not. So, like you know, you you know you make you make objects to communicate thoughts and feelings, and in order to communicate, you change how you communicate things in order to fit the audience. Well, localization. Yeah. Well, that's moving into theory and far afield of the questions, yeah. so we can. Um, well, the only, most important thing to take away here is Fire Emblem is cool, and you should play it. Even, yeah, go play that. Even if you have to use Phoenix mode, I yeah. won't. I won't that's judge you. Nintendo uh, was trying to include you if you just aren't super good at that kind of game. Hey, at least I don't die five minutes into Diablo Three. <sighs> It wasn't five. I have the video. It was okay. six and a half. All right. So it was it was less than an hour. Let's put it that way. <laughs> let's see. On the other hand, you could have spent many hours playing and then died. And might have hurt you. Well, more. but you know what? We spent what probably a good half an hour power leveling you, and then as soon as we were done, as soon <laughs> as we were done, you died. That, that is entirely accurate, and I have no defense. That was pretty bad. <laughs> let's let's move forward before this uh, turns into a very sad uh, reminiscing <laughs> on many streams that you can find at the uh, at one Mister Wheels's uh, YouTube page. Well, well, hey, I made it all the way through like Awakening with Permadeath on on hard. Uh, I just couldn't beat the final battle because I lost too many people in the second to last. So battle. what you're saying is you didn't make it through. I made it to the final battle. I'm pretty sure that's still called losing. I made it to the last <laughs> inning. Well, that that sounds about par for the course. So, all right, I'm gonna have to go finish that game now. All right, let's move on. One, two. One, two, three, four.
right, so our next, uh, where was I? Where, there we go. So next we have a massive long post from someone with some questions Bobby event Watson. from Bobby Watson eventually at the end that Dave's going to read. Oh, oh, it's my job. <laughs> I just nominated uh, you. Thanks for another entertaining episode. It made my evening at the gym more interesting than what it should have been. A few thoughts. I did try to emulate Panzer Dragoon Saga last year. I ran into an issue with SSF in the first disc. I then switched to Yabows. And while I had some minor graphic glitches, I did make it all the way to the end, of disc, all the way to disc two. I can't remember why I stopped. I probably started playing something with a higher polygon count. <laughs> but I really enjoyed what I played, despite the game being painful to watch on a 52-inch TV. Oh, oh. <laughs> I've been looking at like PS1 games on super high, uh, like super high def TV recently, and it just oh, oh heavens! But uh, being painful to watch. Uh, I bet it would be awesome on the Vita. I keep hoping Sega will remake it, but considering the source code and possibly the art assets have been lost, there's little chance of that. While I was playing it, I kept thinking maybe I should put a team, get a team of volunteers together and remake it in Unity or something, but then realized this would be another one of my projects that would go nowhere, and I dropped the idea. Well, I'd play it, but also that would probably be like five years of work, and you yeah. might die. So. <laughs> it would be one of those things like Streets of Rage remake, where it would like be about to come out, and then Sega would be like, oh, it's cute that you think that's coming out. Hey, I downloaded but, uh, that. Yeah, well, that that had Sega's blessing for like a year and a half, unmolested, and then like about a year, about a week after its final build came out, Sega told them to knock it off and take it down. It's very strange. Um, Sega is very strange. Yeah, a little bit. Regarding the list of games stuck in Japan, the only recent one I can think of was Exist Archive, which I believe has not been announced for localization yet by anybody. I have no idea what that is. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea what I that is. I believe we have a review for that up on RP Gamer. Hmm. I'd have to look into that. Pretty sure, uh, pretty sure Gaijin reviewed that. Was that the Triace yeah. one? Um, I feel like if it was Triace, I'd have known what it was. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it right. was. I think that was up. some weird DS action RPG. Am I making up? This archive is a PS4 and Vita Spike Chunsoft. Oh, it is Triace, and it's. Oh. I remembered looking at this. I forgot its name because Exist Archive is an insane name. Uh, this looks like it might come over. Oh, is that the 3DS one? Okay. No, it's PS4 uh, and Vita. No, Vita oh. and PS4. Okay, I'm thinking of something else then. I'm thinking. Oh, I'm think, think I'm thinking of Cross Treasure or something like that. Uh, they just don't mean much in English. <laughs> but, uh, uh, slightly older examples on mostly dead platforms, Sakura Tizen 1, 2, 3, and 4. Yeah, the only time we were ever going to get any of the Sakura Tizen games other than 5 was when they were releasing... They re-released one of them on PSP, I want to say, and we didn't get it then, we're never getting it. Uh, that ship has sailed. Yeah, that ship long, ship long since sailed. It's shocking that we got 5. Um, and I don't think it's sold well. No, it's sold recall. awfully. Yeah. Like it, it did not go anywhere on the level of what they were hoping for. Yeah. I, um, I know that I don't think it was the best in the series or anything, but I mean that was probably its only shot. Yeah, well it's like it wasn't bad. Like it was if you liked what it was trying to do, it's pretty good at what it's doing. Like maybe it's worse if you're like a Sakura Tyson fan who's kind of upset because they completely changed the cast and, and setting, but like, it made perfect sense as a first one simply because, like, oh, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, we had no prior, like, response to the series. But, 
and Valkyria Chronicles 3, which, funnily enough, was apparently developed by Media De- Media Vision, a developer that did come up in last episode. Uh, yeah, that was... Yeah, they did Wild Arms and a fair few other things. But uh, And as a final, I agree, Monster Hunter Portable 3rd was the best uh, version of Monster Hunter 3. The issue I had uh, playing the HD version was grinding for parts. It was hard to know if I had gotten the part I needed. Also, the integrated version of Ad Hoc Party was kind of horrible, but at least it was there. Yeah. Are the servers still up? I don't. I don't know that it had servers as such. Yeah, like the point of Ad Hoc Party is that it doesn't server. Yeah, I don't. I'm pretty sure that's still usable. Yeah, like Ad Ad Hoc Party should never really fail to work because it's just using the PS. Like because it doesn't. Ad Hoc Party literally never worked on PS3s that didn't have Wi-Fi in them, which is only the 20 gig, but that's still like, you know, it's just using the PS3's Wi-Fi to spoof an Ad Hoc. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, I don't I don't think even many people in Japan are using it anymore. Yeah, so. you, your problem would be finding other human beings yeah. that are still playing it. <laughs> like, we're we are three Monster Hunters away from that, four, four Ultimate and Generations now. Yeah. It's weird not to call it a cross, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that better. I'm not really sold on the Generations name. Like, if, at the very least, Generations makes it very clear to English speakers what it is. Yeah. Like, this is Monster Hunter Greatest Hits. But, uh... Yeah, like, I, I, I would imagine if you could find other people to play it with, you could certainly play it with them just because of the way that Ad Hoc Party works, as far as I can tell. But, yeah. And Valkyria 3... I don't even know what to say about that game, because, like, we got Valkyria 2, and that made me not interested in playing Valkyria 3. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Valkyria 3 is better. There's no doubt yeah, denying it, but the series d- did not work nearly as well on PSP, so... It was one of those situations where having to downsize the battlefields yeah. actually made it play worse. Like it's a good three is a good game for sure, but uh, I'm not really gonna, you know, not really crying over spilled milk on that one. Yeah, and, and it has a fan translation if you really want to play it. Yeah, it was one of those things where it it took out the worst aspect of two, which was two's like really insipid writing. I would imagine, like I'd imagine it's better. Than twos, I guess I can't speak for it, but like I can't imagine it's more insipid than twos. But like, you're still left with the fact that the core gameplay doesn't work as well when it has to be shrunk down. Where, like, the second it came out on the second two came out, it was like, wow, shock troopers are way too powerful in this Mm. (laughs) because the shrunk down battlefields mean that they can. There's no place like everything can be made to be short range. Yeah. They were pretty good. A little bit, a little bit. Run up to them, blow them in the face, and like, well, now they're all dead, so it doesn't matter that you're out in the open. So, let's let's move on. Alright. So we kind of have a massive amount of random thoughts from Victor, so let's kind of just go through these one by one. Okay. Spend time on whatever needs to be spent time on. I'll start. If the Camelot Mario Golf RPG is anything like the Mario Tennis RPG, then it's not as much RPG as it is a sports game with RPG elements in the sense that 
You are terrible at this sport until you grind up your stats playing uh, minigames. Still fun if you like the sport in video game form. Yeah, I think I played one of those for like 10 minutes once, but I don't like golf, so. <laughs> well, I can tell you that that's like real golf. If you do not grind up your experience in real golf, you're going to be bad. So what are golf pants for? I don't know. I've never worn golf pants. I feel like they would increase your stats. <laughs> Wear the next game and then report back. I, I don't feel like that's a good test because I didn't play much last year, so I'm probably going to be pretty rusty this year. Okay. Play one set of holes without the golf pants, then play another set of holes with them, and compare and contrast. Now, should I should I do like an easier course, like three par, or should I? What are we talking about? No, no but you you have to make sure that you don't know which pair of pants you're wearing, so that <laughs> it's a. This is I can't. I feel like there's no legal way to make wheels <laughs> unaware of what pants he's wearing. <laughs> Well, I'm uncomfortable be... with where this idea has gone, and I disavow it. How would you know if the difference was actual mm. or psychological? It could have a placebo effect. Well, I usually uh, do drink true. while playing golf, so maybe I can. So basically, what, what you're saying is that you drunk enough that you can't tell the difference between pairs of pants. <laughs> yes. I feel like that's drunk enough that you're just like vomiting into the water hazard and are asked to leave. Uh, mm, I don't know. It, it seems like the more I drink, the better I am at golf. I don't. Understand. I don't feel like that they're going to care how good you are at golf if you're like <laughs> whacking out like a ch tons of divots and like throwing up in the sand trap. I don't think I've ever thrown up from drinking. <laughs> There's the first time for everything. Um, <laughs> But no, the the other thing you would need to test is that awful, like, as-seen-on-TV golf club that you can urinate uh, into. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I don't... I can't tell who that's for. Like, okay, guys, look away. I'm gonna, I'm gonna unzip my pants and piss into this golf club. I don't even... Can can we get back to video what, what games? Were, what now? were we talking about again? <laughs> we are done with Camelot, know. and now we're talking okay. about golf club pissing, so yeah. it's over. While I played Panzer Dragoon Saga on the Saturn, the game would freeze during a cutscene on disc four. Unfortunately, the problematic cutscene was skippable with the start button. Doing that allowed me to finish the game. And here we get to something that's a bit more like questiony. There is one turn-based combat system that slightly resembles Panzer Dragoon Saga. It's the desert vehicle combat. Wild Arms 3, particularly with regard to how the player can maneuver around the enemy in both systems. The vehicle combat system of Wild Arms 3 is simplistic to the point of being utterly broken, while the combat in Panther Dragoon Saga is genuinely fun. I played through Wild Arms 3, and I don't remember how those play. <laughs> I, I don't remember it at all. That sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, Wild Arms 3 is the one that most tries to use the Wild West setting, but then it still has, like, crazy, like, here's your sand crawler. <laughs> But, like, you know, like, I, I wouldn't turn someone away from Wild Arms 3. I like it a lot. Yeah. That's always a weird thing about that series. Like, just remembering the first game. It's like, like oh. decide how Wild West it was. Oh, we've got this Wild West, this Wild West type setting, but it's actually just a fantasy kingdom for the most part. Yeah, like, Wild Arms 1, I feel like, set the stage for the, like, the, the cover art 
and the opening cutscene set the stage for like this fusion of Wild West and yeah. like fantasy RPG. Like but... like the opening cutscene that has music that's like a ripoff of famous Wild West music. It doesn't help that like they took out the lyrics in the US version, so it sets a different tone. Because <laughs> like that whistling is replacing uh, some oh. lyrics in the Japanese one. Okay. Which, you know, so they had no expectations of this is a Wild West RPG. Like, it, it still definitely has that leavening because of the way that it shows, like, the main character in, like, like the main character sort of dressed for sort of heavy travel and carrying around a six-shooter, but... Yeah, and then, like, later, like, Wild Arms 3 and 5 are the ones that come closest to trying to match what we thought Wild Arms 1 would be. But three is the one that most heavily goes in for it. Uh, uh, but back to Panzer Dragoon Saga, someone needs to remake that damn game. Just, just That's not happening. That is never happening. It's going to happen. Why Why do you think this is going to happen? It's going to happen. We're going to get a new Luffy game. Uh, we're going to get Shining Force you 4. You know what? After, after what they did <laughs> to Luffy 2... <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say, do you want a new Lufia? No, I I do not want a new Lufia. I don't want them to take my favorite Super Nintendo RPG and piss on it anymore. All right, it's already happened. It's already covered in piss. We... Look, you know, <laughs> Lufia Lufia Two was the absolute best out of the series, right? Like hands... I, that's one of those few series where I don't think I've ever heard anyone. <laughs> You know, it's you know the the second entry. It's you could have had the whole series, just the second entry. the The first game I, I think is good because it rounds out the story from the second one. Yeah. Um. After that, the third and fourth Game Boy titles were progressively worse, <laughs> and then the Lufia 2 remake um, just completely destroyed what made Lufia Lufia. Ah, oh, man. I remember people like watching that game's development cycle play out, where people see it and it's like, oh, man, it's a Lufia 2 remake, and it's an action RPG, okay? And then, like, with every passing new piece of media, people become less enthused. It's like what that same developer did to Shining Force, which I'm still angry about. You want to tell tell me how you feel? Tell me how you really feel, Wills. About Shining Force Neo? Shining Force Exa? I have I well, obviously, I never played Exa. You weren't willing to touch it again at that point. No, but Neo Neo was a Christmas present for my parents, and I still feel bad about getting rid of it, so I still have my copy. <sighs> so what you're saying is, if enough people request it, you will... No! 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 <laughs> I will stream the original Lufia 2 instead, because I still haven't played that. That is absolutely worth your time. Yeah. You will stream competitive attempts to reach further and further into the roguelike mode. Mm. I. You know what? It, wait, excuse me. Did you say roguelike mode? 
Yeah. The, yeah, mm-hmm. the, there is, mm-hmm. the ancient cave in Lufia 2 is a hundred floor randomly generated um, dungeon. So you can, you can only go down, you can't go back up, uh, with the exception of um, artifacts, weapons, and armors. All uh, equipment is lost when you come out of the cave. So you, you can't bring any regular equipment out, only stuff from special chests. And when you go in, you start at level one. I need to play this game. <laughs> so it is... There, there are no save points. So, you know, when I first did this, it was on a, you know, a Super Nintendo. You know, emulators weren't a thing at that point. You know, so you could yeah, like just, this seems like something you would want save states for. Just yeah, if you had a like, save, save state, it would, it would take a lot of the uh, the stress out of it. Um, but I remember one time I had gotten up to the ninety seventh, ninety eighth floor, and I got wrecked. By a pack of three gold dragons, I threw uh, that controller so friggin' hard that I'm surprised it did not break. Oh, because you know, this, this is you know you get there and you die, you're done, you get kicked out. You've probably been investing hours by this point. No, really, literally hours. You know, it's like no joke. It's not like uh, you know, it's not like getting up there is a is an easy deal. It's not like you have, you know, shortcuts or anything like that. You're talking, you know, at a certain point you start avoiding chests because they can be mimics. Oh no. <laughs> and you, you can tell the difference between a regular mimic chest and a regular chest. But the special blue chest, you can't <laughs> tell the difference between a blue chest and a blue mimic. Oh, that's gorgeous. Wow. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was rough. And big spoiler, not really. One of the reasons to, when you play it, um, play with the patch is that the room that they used for the final floor, I think, was the same as... Um, another story room and it is glitched <laughs> like the whole floor it there's like all the graphics that are supposed to be there it's just the whole thing is glitched and you can walk through it um <laughs> collision wise it's fine uh but just visually it's just pixels <laughs> um yeah so you get all the way up to the hundredth floor and it's garbled Uh, but yeah I mean totally it's the probably the first game with roguelike that I've played definitely worth it yeah I'm gonna be playing this game yeah I called that out just because I knew it would pull wheels on it (laughs) it has it has the game has regular mode which you go through the first time then it has new game plus which is pretty much just the same thing with like 2x experience in gold 
then it has New Game Plus Plus, which is like 10x experience in gold. And then it has Bonus, which is the, the whole game is just you have every character unlocked, and the only thing to do is the Ancient Cave. Nice. Uh, it was uh, quite ahead of its time in a lot of ways in that sense. It really was. But, yeah. So I'm sure that that will probably have coaxed wheels into playing this. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I already spent the money and own a physical copy, so I should probably get around to playing it. Uh, my One of my daughters ripped my... Oh, no. My map, my world map. Oh. I had I had had that for I don't know fifteen twenty years, and one of them ripped it. I was so oh, oh man. One of those hard times as a parent. And apparently the uh, the files for that, like 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 a file to like reprint it, doesn't exist anymore. Oh, anywhere. Oh heavens! Yeah. So. Okay. Well, sadness. Okay. Moving to the next few thoughts he had. I really hope that Panda Dragon Saga is remade someday. As mentioned, that's not happening. Yeah. Well. Live the dream, man. Live the dream. I'm. I'm going to sit here being very pleased if it somehow happens while being realistically not uh, not getting hopeful. Um, okay, you mentioned Wild Arms 5, but didn't mention Wild Arms Crossfire, which was released less than a year afterwards. Unlike every other RPG in the series, Wild Arms Crossfire was a tactical RPG. I suppose it could not it could be called a spinoff. Yeah, I'd considered. I knew Crossfire existed. I've played small portions of it. I thought of it as a spinoff. So here's some questions, since that's your thing. Do you think Wild Arms Crossfire would have been more commercial, successful commercially if it had not been a tactical RPG? Not really. No. It's because like, PSP. The, it's, it's PSP, and the Wild Arms name doesn't have a lot of real pull to it. No. Like, everything underperformed on PSP. Literally everything. Like, Grand... Theft Auto drastically underperformed on PSP. Like, nothing sold on that platform until Monster Hunter did. But, like... You know, Wild Arms Crossfire, regardless of what kind of game it was, was kind of doomed to never really find an audience. Yeah. Really, I don't think it would have found an audience on any platform, because, like... The Wild Arms name was always pretty hyper-niche. I feel like the first one was kind of big, and there's a lot of people. The first that one was big it. because it was it was the only RPG you could play as long as you were not fool enough to try to soldier through Beyond the Beyond. Yeah, and then after that, the series just got lost in the shuffle. Yeah, like I'm like I followed it, like I played, like let me tell you all about all of the sequels and their dumb, crazy Japanese names: Second Ignition, Advanced Third, Fourth Detonator, Fifth Vanguard. But, uh, you know, I love those games, but, like, they, they had no lasting popularity. I love the first one. Never played the series really beyond that. I adore the second one for its introduction of bizarre anime sentai elements. 
Uh, I adore the third one for being an actual Wild Westy world. Like, that one definitely has the best, like, world in the series. Uh, four is crazy and adds, like, some tactical RPG movement elements and platforming elements. Huh. And five largely follows on those. And the less said about Alter Code F, the better. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's oh, how you, oh. That's how you don't do a remake. Oh, no. I forgot that even existed. <laughs> I oh. remembered it. Oh, yeah, Alter Code was... F is like, how do you not make a remake that game? I was so excited for that. It was like, oh my god, a remake of Wild Arms 1. And then, you know fired up and just like what what the shit is this hilariously <laughs> enough it also uh took forever to come here like absolutely forever <laughs> like i think it came out two years later in america wow and no one could quite discern why because it still had all of the bugs it had in the japanese version <laughs> most notably like you could load out of battles and the game might fail to load the world around you and it also had the bug that it's a really bad game that's that's not a bug. That's a feature. Feature. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it still has a kind of bad translation, but a different kind of bad translation than its originator. It's it's. Uh, I own that. I actually own two copies of the sampler DVD uh, for the anime no one watched, Wild Arms <laughs> Twilight Venom. And the reason why I own the second copy is hilarious. I was buying a bunch of old art like old PS2 RPGs from a dying Hollywood video and like the copy of Suicoden 3 for some reason had Suicoden 3 in it but it also had the Wild Arms Twilight Venom copy <laughs> uh, like sampler DVD in there for some reason and I'm like guys I, I like I try to I, I go to the counter and I'm like guys I bought this but like I don't think this is supposed to be in here and he's like dude either you take it or I'm throwing it in the trash <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, well, I, I don't want to throw it in the trash, so I guess it's mine now. That was a, a strange reason to come into possession of anything. But, yeah, like... Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was a world that was ready to give time and money to Wild Arms Crossfire. Yeah. Wild Arms XF, as it was uh, abbreviated. It has some interesting ideas, but yeah. Yeah, it's like the PSP was in and was bizarrely like that. The strategy RPG was strangely one of the stronger genres it had, even at the time. Because Crossfire comes out right around the same time as War of the Lions and Jean d'Arc. So, you know, never played Jean d'Arc. I know some people that liked it. They also like other things that level five made, so I don't care. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was it was somehow found the one place where there would be a crowded market for the kind of thing it was bringing to the table. <laughs> the world was not kind to poor Crossfire. Okay, and moving on to the next statement: Is there a word or phrase to describe non-tactical RPGs other than non-tactical? I've heard the phrase traditional RPG used, but that phrase glosses over a lot of non-tactical RPGs with exceptional or unusual combat features from Panther Dragoon Saga, Undertale, to Final Fantasy XIII. At that point, like, I feel like there's no real worth in grouping all of those together in any umbrella less broad than RPG. Yeah. 
Like they're all just you know they're they're RPGs. That's what they are. Like if you try to get more granular, they're never going to get any closer to each other because like no. they don't share anything in common other than like the very basest essence of RPG. So like Dark. If, you, if someone if someone asks you for an RPG with interesting combat, you might group them together, but yeah. that's well, not a genre. Well, here, <laughs> let, let me let me um, put it this way. Dark Souls and uh let me look around here and just pick out some random game. Eternal Ring. Room. Wait, no. <laughs> Uh, Dark Souls and One Piece Romance Dawn are both non-tactical RPGs, but that designation on that seems I it, do. It it seems like a, a silly kind of way to go about it. It's like you're you're talking to somebody who their entire RPG career has just been solely focused on tactical RPGs, and that would be the only instance where I could see somebody calling it a non-tactical RPG. That you'd yeah, be like, hey. Yeah. I'm, I'm done with these tactical RPGs. Can you recommend a non-tactical RPG? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, they they would always be grouped together in different fashions than that. Yeah, I don't really feel like there's a useful term of delineation for that. Not not to group everything that's not tactical together. Yeah, like if you're if you're grouping that much together, you're probably grouping in tactical as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, what are the fatal gra gameplay flaws of tactical RPGs that are widely considered to be bad games? And on the flip side, what are the best gameplay qualities of tactical RPGs that are widely considered to be good games? Those last two questions are obviously extremely subjective, but I do want to point out that some of the very same qualities that tend to be criticized in non-tactical RPGs, such as slow combat or systems that require careful micromanaging, are sometimes present in popular tactical RPGs. Hmm. Oh, there's, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a difference between having deliberate battles and slow battles. I played... <laughs> I had gotten a review code for a uh, an iOS tactical RPG, and it wasn't even just that, you know, battles took a long time to resolve. It was everything was moving slow and they showed every single piece moving slow and you know they these things take long enough as it is with having you know 20 units on the field without taking 20 seconds per unit per turn oh. You know, so you're talking, you know, you just spent maybe a minute moving all of your pieces, and now you have to wait five minutes for the for the turn to end, and that's just unacceptable. A, that is yeah. a bad action-to-inaction ratio. So, I mean, for me, that's always been, been the biggest turnoff. Um, I think the only... The only tactical games I ever finished were Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Um, mm -hmm. I think Disgaea 2. And... Yeah, maybe that DS Final Fantasy 12 one. 
that's it. Revenant wings. Yes. But that's that's more real time than uh, yes. turn based, I think. Yes. Uh, I guess my response to this this whole concept would be that there's something to be said for the setting of expectations. Like when you have like you know, uh, I'll sometimes complain about how like oh random battles in this RPG take too long. And it's like, well, that's because those random battles aren't the meat of the game to me. But a long tactics ba- tactics RPG battle is kind of like where a tactics RPG like puts all of its eggs. Mm-hmm. Like, so if I'm taking forever to resolve brain dead combat in like a normal RPG, it's like, well, you're just sort of wasting my time. But if I'm taking a long time to resolve like a really like lengthy and uh, challenging encounter, it's like, well, you know, that's kind of what I was here for. And, you know, the same thing with sort of fiddly systems, where, like, since a tactical RPG, almost all of them strip away just about everything that isn't the fighting. That fighting needs to be the interest itself. Yeah. A lot of them also actually have features that let you speed things up a great deal if you really want to like turning off the animation things like oh, yeah. that I think in, or like if you're holding down the A button during uh, Fire Emblem enemy units will resolve their turns they'll move through their movements faster yeah. and if you just press the start button they'll just skip them and you'll just have to yeah. see where they are when they're done and I know you could do this in some earlier Fire Emblem games I don't know if it's in the newer one but you could actually like turn off the whole animation so it's just like the unit running up and bashing the yeah. other unit and then you get the damage result and like zero yeah. animation whatsoever you know if you, that's what you re- how you really want to play it yeah it's uh it's, it's one of those things where it, uh and separating this out from the previous questions what i think like the difference between a good one and a bad one is i feel like the bad ones the things i always hear about are like bad difficulty curves mm like, a bad difficulty curve will completely destroy a tactical RPG, because it's like, you could have the most interesting combat and, like, subsystems in the world, but if no one gets far enough to actually find the point where they can start doing interesting things with them, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I remember, uh, like, seeing people getting excited, like, back when tactical RPGs were quite rare in the U.S., I remember reading previews for, uh, like the handful that did come to the west and it's like oh hoshigami ruining blue earth that game is <laughs> hardly hard uh. and then they put it out on the s and it was still ridiculously hard uh i think that was the first game axis published wasn't it uh the ds one or the yeah, regular the ds one it might be uh Axis game localization founded by Akiboshiam in 2006. Uh, company's name is coincidentally. Okay. Uh, they released, I think their first game is Eagle Eye Golf on the PS2. Huh. That's weird. That's super weird. Oh, well. Uh, point is, like, that's one of those things where it's just like, you know, that's. The one that immediately springs to mind is like, this is bad. And yeah. it's like, oh, well, you know, 
even like the things that I heard were from people that even plowed through far enough with the like oh these systems are restrictive and weird and irritating but uh, like the bigger problem was you'll never get far enough to figure it out because it's just way too hard I think for me the other thing and this came up recently with a certain Disgaea game that I reviewed yeah. is a good tactical RPG has to have good level design. Oh, map design's really important. Yeah, like, you can't just say, here's the enemy units, here's your units, and some empty space, kill each other. Uh, unless unless there's some, you know, interesting wrinkles with the battle system, that is going to make for a pretty boring game. The the other thing I wanted to bring up is that, like, this, this shows up even in games that are generally considered good. Because, like, Whenever I see someone that says I didn't like Final Fantasy Tactics and I ask them how far they got into it, they say, I got to Dorder and then got completely slaughtered. <laughs> because Dorder throws you in at the deep end. It's about as hard as you can get for, like, for, you know, the first real battle of the game without, like, completely going over the line of how difficult you can make an early encounter. Yeah. If you don't already know how it works, like, you've got that knight that's just going to come in and wreck whoever happens to try to go in like uh, melee and you've got that uh, archer that's and that's shooting from the top of a one of the houses that's like near the top of the map and then you've got several black mages like that if you haven't figured out how the actual moment to moment gameplay of FF Tactics is supposed to work that area slaughters you and it's really easy to just like be like, no, I can't play this. This is too hard. So, you know. Yeah. You gotta be careful. Like, it's a really, it's an inherently risky, complex genre, so you need to be willing to, like, you know, this is why you make casual mode. This is why you make even Phoenix mode. It's so that people don't get so intimidated by the sheer difficulty of the inherent mechanics that they never find out what makes the game good. Yeah, and you you have to think, too, that some of those people that play those easier modes will probably replay it in harder modes and like it. And yeah, or like they'll like when they get to the sequel, they'll be like, I think I kind of get this. Maybe I'll play it a little harder. Yeah. You know. I think hardcore just, mode is just stupid to begin with. Um, yeah, I'm never going to play on uh, hardcore mode, but you yeah. know, it's good that it's there because it's for someone. The the little bit that I did of Fire Emblem Awakening, I uh, I did not have that on permadeath. That's just going into casual mode is also good because it helps alleviate just how long the battles are because you can actually do mid battle saves. Mm -hmm. So. Like, I, I've seen people that will reset every time they die in casual mode because they just want to be able to have mid-battle saves so they don't have to do everything over again. <laughs> yeah, honestly, in Awakening, which I did, like, obviously, play in hardcore mode, um, it felt more brutal than the earlier Fire Emblem games. Like, I remember playing some of the earlier Fire Emblem games which where there's no option for that, and it just felt like you had a, a better like unit volume and uh, more opportunity to play carefully and uh, I, I feel play like safe. I feel like that's going to become more pronounced in the series design philosophy as time goes by. Yeah. Because they're going to start, whether consciously or not, designing around the idea of like having everyone survive this is no longer paramount. 
Yeah. So, like, it's it, you fight differently that way, and like, they're not. There's not necessarily a better or worse about that, but you definitely fight those battles differently. Yeah. So, like the and because of the kind of player that gravitates towards classic mode, like there's not as much concern about balancing that to be easier because the kind of player that tra- gravitates towards classic mode wants a harder game. Yeah. I just think they went <laughs> went too far. Guess what? Fates is harder. <laughs> yeah, which is why I didn't even. Well, you didn't even attempt it. <laughs> I'm probably gonna do it for birthright on like normal difficulty, obviously. But yeah, definitely not conquest because conquest is hard. Oh man, what was it? The which which map was the docks again? Chapter like, ten. Chapter ten. Yeah, chapter ten is definitely harder than anything I ever did in Awakening. <laughs> yeah, chapter seventeen. I finished with three units left, which would be basically game-breaking if I was not playing on casual. <laughs> yeah, th- one of the other things that, like, I already have seen maps that are designed around the idea of punishing you if you try to play too fast and loose. Yeah. Because, like, there was a paralogue where, like, I went in and, like, I got several characters slaughtered, and I was like, okay, but given the amount of characters that are here, I can probably outlast them. And then, like... When that happened, like, because I was taking so long, the game just started piling in reinforcements. (laughs) It's just like, oh, oh, the game got wise to what I was doing, and it didn't want me pulling an outlast strategy, so it just started piling more enemies into the map. I know what I'm never playing. (laughs) (laughs) And then I played it again, and no one died, and I felt really foolish. Yeah. yeah. So so that actually happened in the chapter I just did. <laughs> because it's a it's a beat the boss map, right? Yeah. And it's kind of like a difficult maze-ish type thing you have to navigate through. Um but reinforcements keep coming in, so you can you can't really like just turtle down in one area and slowly pick off everything. You, you kind of have to move because eventually the reinforcements keep coming in and keep coming in and (sighs) like the game is trying to force you to play aggressively I'm pretty sure the least number of enemies there was ever on the map was 20 (laughs) there's a there's a certain like there's there's a certain art to that where like you want to avoid the optimal strategy being boring and usually an optimal strategy that's just you hunkering down and outlasting an enemy is not interesting to play. (laughs) So they want to design maps around the idea of, like, you need to move. Yeah, thankfully, like I said, it was like a maze, so, you know, it wasn't like all these enemies were swarming. They couldn't all descend upon you at once, but you couldn't afford to sit around. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, it's a good game though, and tactical RPGs are really hard to make very good. Yeah, I've I've grown more and more fond of the genres. I've yeah. been playing a lot of like Fire Emblem and of all things Super Robot Wars over the past year. But this is this is why people miss uh, Shining Force so much, because those those were really good, and uh, those actually had multiple difficulties. So. I'm- 
I'm kind of surprised that they don't try a proper Shining Force on like mobile because it's it's well suited to it. Yeah, and they were really, they really burned me. They released the so they released the original Shining Force on iOS, which was cool, but I really want the second one, which never happened. It's weird. Like Shining Force One gets so many more re-releases than two, even though like yeah. two is so much more well regarded. Like, if, if any is going to be on the collection of Genesis games, it's always one over two. Yeah. It's very strange. And, of course, we'll never, ever see three again. Even though Camelot apparently knew... Like, Camelot knew that frickin' Shining Force 3 was popular in the U.S. because that's why Golden Sun is set up the way it is. Uh... Like, that's why Golden Sun The Lost Age has you playing... At the like you know the other faction of golden sun one is because like oh we looked at how people reacted to uh our previous games and we found that like people especially in the west really liked the ability to play as these other factions and get more ideas of what they were doing (laughs) camelot knew it sega did not (laughs) sega doesn't know a lot of things Sega is a very strange identity crisis company. Mm. Like, part of me sometimes wonders if, like, there's some sort of prevailing ethos in the heads of Sega of Japan that is still very, like, self-conscious about the fact that the studio was started by Westerners in, like, Hawaii. But that's that's probably putting a lot of claims about the psychology of a lot of different people over the course of the years. So. Oh well. Well, they're finally giving us a seventh dragon. Yeah, that's super weird. What the heck? <laughs> oh well. we'll they're not. If, they're not even trying to change the name to like pretend that there aren't a bunch of other ones. Yeah, it's just you know, like anyone who's interested in playing Seventh Dragon already knows what that they like. It's not worth attempting to hide it from. Yeah, it's true. That's one of those things that, like, in the modern age, like back in the day. Oh well, we didn't release the first one here. Well, call this the first one. Just don't put a number at it. Like the days of you know FF two one two three FF one four six Kingsfield one two three Kingsfield one two. Like the that the time when you could effectively hide that is basically gone. <laughs> what we missed the Kingsfield? Yeah, we missed Kingsfield one because it was a 1994 PS one game. It's a, it's a tragedy. Why isn't why wasn't that in the list of RPGs trapped in Japan? Uh, oh yeah, we're missing Kingsfield additional <laughs> one and two because what could make Kingsfield more exciting than to turn it into a wizardry knockout? Uh, you know what would make uh, Kingsfield more exciting? What? Using it as a, as a coaster for my coffee. Oh, man. I'm fighting words, but I completely agree. <laughs> I just played some Kingsfield. Like, I've been just puttering through old PS1 games, and it's like, oh, this is a sleep aid. It's pretty bad. Even back then, it was pretty bad. It was it was at least an interesting experiment at the time. Well, they gave us a much more interesting experiment at Armored Core, so at least the developer was doing something. Are they still making Armored Core games? I feel like they must be. The 5 came out not that long ago. 
there's there was Armored Core Victory Day, which I think with the update Verdict Day. Oh yeah, makes less sense. I have that one. Yeah. Okay. Verdict Day came out in November. Of, uh, no, wait, September of 2013. Yeah. I so bet that's they're... actually one of the longer gaps. Well, I think it used to be their bread and butter. Because I mean, that, you, that you whole Souls thing came along. Yeah. I mean, look in the past. There's like so many Armored Core games. So I think that was like they're just. Armored Core, Armored Core Project Phantasma, Armored yeah. Core Master of Arena, Armored Core 2, Armored Core 2 Another Age, Armored Core 3, Armored Core 3 Silent Line, Armored Core Nexus, Armored Core Ninebreaker, Armored Core Last Raven, Armored Core Formula Front, Armored Core <laughs> oh 4, goodness. Armored Core 4 Answer. Like, there's so many expansions to 3. Yeah. I, I don't think it'd be uh, crazy to to say that Dark Souls is probably well out well outdone the whatever money they made on that series though. The the big thing I think is that like people that are mildly surprised at how much they've capitalized on the Souls series should just look at level at uh fucking from software's history. Yep. Cuz that was just what they always did. They found what what is succeeding, keep doing it. I apologize that you're going to have to bleep that. I was trying to think of a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Bleep? What bleep? <laughs> but yeah, like they just. I think we also missed an Echo Knight. They just got away with it by just not calling it, calling the third one Echo Knight Two. It was always Echo Knight Beyond. Echo Knight yeah, Beyond. we missed Echo Knight Two. Is that like Batman Beyond take place in the future? Uh, no. Echo Knight's about wandering around a space station and trying not to have a heart attack, so... <laughs> you think I'm joking, but... <laughs> uh... Is that all we got from Victor? Yeah. He gave us quite a bit, so we can't yeah. really... Uh... Alright, so let me wrap this thing up. Uh, how do I usually wrap this thing up? Uh, you tell them where they can send their questions. Uh, yes. You can send in questions to wheels at rpgamer.com, which no one seems to do anymore, so everyone seems to post on the forums, which is cool because it makes them all yeah, easy no, to find. Yeah, no, that means that I can see them as well, which is yeah. useful. Uh, you can also send us tweets. Uh, I'm at Wheels. Dave is at FineBoyMaster. Um, you can check out... should be streaming The Division quite frequently the coming weeks, so check that out. That's going to be on the RP Gamer Twitch channel. You should also... You also usually let our guests plug anything they would like to. Yes. Ken, anything you want to plug? I know you recently put up that feature about PAX South, right? Uh, yeah, I just finished a uh, much overdue PAX South feature. Uh, got some cool things that were there. Uh, I don't know if I'm doing South by Southwest this year, but if I do, that'll be coming up. And hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll have another recurring feature starting next month but I'm holding off on that until I actually 
have material actually in hand. <laughs> Sounds good. Was that so? Is was this the first year of Pack South? No, this was the uh, the second year. Second one, um, okay. And it was uh, much bigger. Um, they they expanded into more areas of the convention floor. Uh, I mean, they had the whole convention center, um, you know, rented out last year. Um, yeah. But this year they um, took different sections and moved them over into an, an area that was mostly unused last year. And, uh, yeah, much, much more, much more going on. They actually had three gaming table companies that were there this year. There was only one last year. Oh, nice. This, this, I think, is the first year that they're kind of trying to de-emphasize the idea of PAX being PAX Prime and its appendages and having it as three, com- three like, conventions. Like, notably, they've rebranded PAX Prime to PAX West. Oh, interesting. Looking forward to PAX North, which will take place somewhere near Toronto, I'm sure. Oh man, that would be cool. That'd be another one I can go to. You you know what though? It's it really seemed like, and I don't know if it's. I mean, it's probably because it's a new convention, um, but there were really, like last year, the only really big name was Nintendo. This mm-hmm. year, the only really big name, well, I guess Gearbox was there last year. Um, the Gearbox only <laughs> really big name this year was Capcom. They had a booth. Um, but, I mean, everything else, it was a lot of uh, mobile developers. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of indie developers. Not very much in the way of of bigger name studios. I mean, you had uh, Perfect World was there, Devolver Digital, which is just all... Devolvers everywhere. Yeah. Um, Tiny Build, which is also, you know, a, a big umbrella publisher. Um, and just a lot of smaller smaller devs. I mean, they had like a, an indie showcase section, which was even smaller dev studios. But hmm. everything was really, was really indie. It wasn't like... Um, I mean, and I haven't been to uh, a PAX, PAX Prime or um, anything, so I really couldn't say what's there. But um, like even like Gearbox wasn't at at PAX this year, PAX South this year, uh, and they're they're fairly local. I was at Prime 2015, and as a general rule. Like I've, I've the only thing I have to compare that to is I was also at East in 2014. As a general rule, it felt like more stuff was at Prime. Yeah. Like as a general rule, like and and I I feel like they're probably going to try to de-emphasize that in the future, but I don't think they're going to succeed. <laughs> I, I think that it's a it's probably an effort by Pax to do that, but I don't think. Yeah. The participants, you know, the, the people going to spectate or developers, yeah. I don't think they're going to see it that way. 
Yeah, um, like they're they're trying to make that happen, but I don't think that they'll have the ability to make it happen. No, I don't. I don't think that that's. Uh, I think that would take a, a long time, and it's it's a shame because, you know, San Antonio is it's a very nice convention center. It's a very nice city. Um, has a lot going on there, uh, but aren't there a lot of developers in Texas too? Uh, there's a a good number. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, like I said, Gearbox is local to Texas. Um, there are some others. I know. Um, Bill with uh, Z-Boyd Games. He's in Texas. Um, mm. And I know that there are some others that I, I can't remember. Devolver has a has an office here. Uh, so there, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on here. San Antonio is very uh, up and coming with their uh, technology uh, segment. Um, but yeah, I think they still see it as the as the child in the family, and who wants to put the resources into that? <laughs> I, I figure that like that'll probably improve with time, just because more than likely they've probably booked the convention center for yeah. another like five years. Oh, yeah. East definitely improved markedly. I know that East is booked years. in East is booked in the uh, like Boston Convention Center for until like 2024. Yeah, that's, some, that's something crazy. <laughs> Like they they book those convention centers for like years and years in advance. Yeah. But I, I know the first year was like in the smaller convention center in uh, Boston, and then the second year the bigger one, but it still felt a little spaced out. And by the third year, it was just big. Yeah. So. And yet somehow still not really a patch on the size of a. No. Like it's it's bigger than Prime, but it's not as... Like, Prime... I, I, I just like the Seattle Convention Center better. <laughs> but I also can't harass wheels at Prime, which is a problem. That's true. I, I can't take pictures of me pantomiming punching him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> then again, he also couldn't give me awful video games at Prime. Oh, yeah, yeah. Prince of Persia DS. <laughs> You'll never guess how quickly I found ways to make that game break. I still can't believe you actually played that. Like I wasn't like I was on a plane for <laughs> six hours getting back home. Like I wasn't gonna not do it. Like I sat down, I played it for a couple hours and finished it. But like I got to the first boss, and if you try to move at all while its opening cutscene is playing, it'll bug and. <sighs> game will think you're caught in its hand for the next rest That's of the game. That's just mean. <laughs> Somehow I'm thinking that all of your deaths in these games that we're playing, it's actually karma. <laughs> <laughs> he, he met up with another friend of ours and gave him a copy of Unlimited Saga. Hey, at least that one's interesting. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I say this as a Saga fan. Is it? Yes. Like, it's interesting to you and me, because we're both crazy. 
You gave that to someone who doesn't really even like traditional RPGs that much, let alone <laughs> a game that is trying to be a table or tabletop RPG you play by yourself. Hmm. That's a fair point. I feel like you belong in a hell of your own making. <laughs> this is why I ended up reviewing Mugen Souls, isn't it? It's all karma. This is why you need to review Mugen Souls Z. No, no, no. I don't think you're really going to have a choice, are you? I feel like after a, over a long enough timetable, Wheels gets gifted it or like tricked into it. It didn't work the first time. It's not going to work. This, you know, here, here's what's going to happen. That game's going to end up on Steam, and, and someone's going to send it, it to me. Was through Steam. on Steam? <laughs> no, just the original. Just the original. Oh, man. Which I still haven't received as a gift, thankfully. I feel like you almost sent me a copy of Mugen Souls. No, I, I just made a joke about it. I would, you threatened actually, to. I wasn't actually going to do it. Get Rainbow Six Vegas instead. <sighs> yeah, well, at least that's a good game. I have played my fair share of bad games. Played Disgaea 5. I've played Bravely Default. Oh, hey man, now. <laughs> hey now. That was some good stuff. Uh, you... <sighs> I'm sorry, you're on the show with its two biggest detractors. You know, I think it was really good until you had to repeat the game six times. How about that? That's fair. I could see someone arguing that. Yeah. Like, I need, I intend to give it another chance. Yeah. I mean, it. it's... I ended up, I think, after... After the first time repeating everything, I think I probably at that point turned off all random encounters. I went after the boss fights, and I just went bam, bam, bam. And that was it. That, that was really, and I hope that, and I haven't looked at any of this stuff. I hope that they don't do that in Bravely Second. Because that would be terrible. Well, Square Enix does learn from all their mistakes. We know this. Uh, what? what? <laughs> Everything I heard about Bravely what Second. What universe are you from again? <laughs> Very similar to uh, Bravely Default. I'm talking like, like repeating everything wise, because I hope not. Yeah, I don't think they do. I, I've again. heard that it uses similar uh, schemes to stretch content. You know why? I don't know why. The female voice acting in the demo is terrible. Like, oh, the... yeah. Square Enix actually sent me an email saying, hey, you want the demo? The, um... Like, the male voice acting, you know, mm -hmm. the the audio... Just audio quality-wise is, like, crisp and clear. And mm -hmm. the female voice acting is very, um... I don't know, raspy? Huh. It's... It's it's weird. It's like they're talking through a uh, a cannon string telephone. 
<laughs> like it's it's not even recorded at the same like audio quality. No, no, it's not. It's definitely not. You know, this is. You know, I don't know if it's because it's a a demo build and it was probably made who knows how long ago, and they're just like, hey, yeah, we don't care. Um, but yeah, the all of the the male voice acting, it's it's all crisp and clear in the the three female voices that they've had so far just they're not it's very tinny weird like I could only hope that that was like some extra compression applied afterwards to shrink the demo size but uh, I would I would hope so but uh, if it was like that in the full game uh, that would be that was, uh, curious decisions were made mm. But thankfully, my homemade home pass is fantastic for getting me street passes. <laughs> that was that was a worthwhile investment. Nice. Because uh, with the exception of the 100 street passes that I got at PAX South, I have never gotten a street pass here. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I always love, like, any time I'm walking around with some of their packs and they have to go to the bathroom because it means that I can sit outside and get like a million street passes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dark addiction. <laughs> oh, yeah. Take as long as you want. <laughs> oh hey, that's right, we're still recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot that we had forgotten to officially oh, end. Yeah. Goodbye everyone. Peace out. I'm taking a greyhound on the Hudson River line. I'm in a New York state of mind.